The Dub D Dub Review is proud to be sponsored by the Theme Park Brothers. Let Michael, Christina, Jordan, and Cameron entertain you not only with Orlando attractions, but attractions all across the country. Their videos are completely unscripted, 100% genuine, and just a load of fun. I promise if you watch them on YouTube once, you'll watch from that point forward. Follow them on Facebook and Twitter, as well as at the Theme Park Brothers on YouTube. Hello and welcome to the Dub D-Dub Review. I'm your host, Chris Malik, and I'm joined by my co-host, Peter Ponacorvo. How you doing, Pete? Good, Chris. How about you? Doing really good. Hey, Pete, before we even start, before we talk about trivia, I want to give a shout-out to two guys. Um, posted a couple things on the Facebook page, and they were kind of random pictures. And these two guys had the sharpest eagle eye of all of them and guessed the correct answer. So Donald Ballard, who uh, is an author, guessed the Matterhorn from... Uh, just a far off distance in a random shot and I'm probably going to screw up his name but it's Michael Zarnacki also guessed the correct answer pretty quickly so well wait a minute technically I had that one right too well you said Disneyland Pete it doesn't quite count hey you, you didn't specify how <laughs> you know what attraction is this from you just said where is this picture from oh, okay you got a technicality theoretically it, Disneyland is the correct answer alright alright so, Pete, you know how you and I love to argue about things, all things related to Disney? You know, yep. Star Wars, Guardians, Dole Whip, all this good stuff that we love to talk about? Well, there's no reason to argue about Dole Whip, but whatever. <laughs> so, so, what would you think if I told you there's a gentleman who wrote a book that pits matchups from Walt Disney World against Disney World, Disneyland against Disneyland, Disney World against Disneyland, and it actually pits a matchup against each other? And wrote a book on it. I think I want to see the tail on it. Yeah. So, Pete, we're joined by Daniel Cisneros. Daniel, how are you? Hey, guys. Doing good. Nice to meet you both. Awesome. Thank you for joining us. So, Thank you. We are talking about your book, The Disney Tale of the Tape. So, Dan, just a brief history here. You know, I was, uh, I was just reviewing periodically. I go on Amazon and look at the most recent books to come out and your book popped up one day on Amazon and immediately from the cover I was like this is different this is something cool so I had to check it out so uh, before you know I'm connected with you on Facebook an instant messenger and we're having conversations going back and forth and just having a blast just talking to each other so I appreciate you spending a little time and coming out here with us to talk about your book today so oh, man thanks thanks for having me <laughs> it's my pleasure let's talk about just the start so What's your first memory, or, 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 or trace like your Disney lineage? How how did you actually become a Disney fan in the first place? Okay, well that's that's part in the book, and uh, it all started in Southern California, Disneyland. Okay. That's where I grew up, and um, every time we had company from out of town, from out of state, everybody wanted to go to Disneyland. So, you know, of course I was always ready to go, and um, that's, I mean, from the first time. I went to Disneyland. I just fell in love with it. 
Uh, I wanted to be uh, a tour guide. I, I, I always wished I could be one of those guys wearing the plaid shirts and be a tour guide, but I never got to... Right? Oh, my goodness, can you imagine? Yeah. But I never got to do that. So, you know, I just became kind of the tour guide for my family when they would come to town, even as a teenager. Okay. And then how did you, you know, in, in the book here, you actually have Disneyland versus Walt Disney World. What was your first experience at Walt Disney World? Okay, that's, that would be uh, 1994. Um, as a kid in, in Southern California, I heard about Walt Disney World, but kind of thought I would never... <laughs> ever get to see it in person okay. but in 1994 uh, we had moved from southern california to new mexico and we loaded up the our uh, chevy astro van and the whole family my son my daughter and my wife and i took a road trip from albuquerque new mexico to orlando florida for what we thought would be the, the probably the trip of a lifetime and uh, it was quite a road trip and once we got there it was an incredible adventure oh just i, I just couldn't believe i was there and you know Back in those days, we didn't have uh, the internet, and you know, things. It was only by what you read in books and maybe saw a few pictures, but to see it in person, oh man, it was just unbelievable. It just blew me away. And we didn't make it back until uh, 2009. My wife and I got the the bug again. Thought about going back to Disney World, and just just her and I, and that just reinforced it. And that was it. That 2009 trip. That just that was it. From then on, uh, we were we were hooked. I was hooked, and my, my wife both were hooked. That's that's awesome, Dan. And even now with social media, you know, my my library of books is, I mean, not as large as other Disney fanatics, but I've got a fairly large collection of books. And you know, because we've been talking, my first trip to Disneyland was just recently, and and you know, we we exchanged some ride ideas, and yes. even. Even walking into that park for the first time, I'd only seen, you know, you know Sleeping Beauty Castle. It's smaller. How small? What does it look like? But when you see it, there's just nothing like seeing it and touching it and, and being there and looking at the apartment above Main Street where, you know, where Walt used to have his apartment. So, you, you know, I get it. I get it. it, it actually, it's the opposite side for us because for me, it was Disneyland. For you, it was Walt Disney World. But... We completely understand and we completely get it. So, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Disneyland is, is something that you feel. And, and you know what's amazing, Chris, is, um, I mean, I can tell you as a kid, Disneyland is so different now than it was back then. I mean, it's completely different. Oh, my goodness, Disney California Adventure and, and even the way the streets around Disneyland, the whole area, everything. I mean... You know, if I had, as a kid, been transported into the future and saw what Disneyland has become now, I just, I just wouldn't believe it. So, hmm. um, yeah, it's an incredible place. Now, it was great then, but, man, now it's, there's just so much more to it. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, the change is, is <laughs> it's really something. Well, well, let me take you back to your childhood then. Give me your first memory. Give me your first memory of Disneyland, and then give me your first memory. What did you remember, remember from Walt Disney World? What stuck with Oh, you? yeah. Oh, oh, Chris, I'll tell you. Um... It's funny in Disneyland. The thing that I I don't know I know this sounds ridiculous, but the thing I remember most is the Chicken of the Sea tuna boat. They <laughs> they had a big pirate ship where, in Fantasyland was this big pirate ship, and it was actually I thought it was a ride as a kid, and I'd run over there, you know, because I wanted to hop on and ride, walk in, and they're selling tuna sandwiches, you know. <laughs> <It's not a> <laughs> <ride>. <laughs> okay. And I just. I don't know. I just thought that was just the coolest thing. You know, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but it, that really, whenever I think of Disneyland, I, I close my eyes and I picture and I see uh, there was an area called, I think it was called like Skull Rock, mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and it was a, a rock that, you know, obviously looked like a big skull. I think it had a waterfall or something there, and there was the Chicken of the Sea pirate ship. And whatever I think, I know everybody thinks of the Matterhorn, they think of the castle, I think of the Chicken of the Sea pirate ship. And you've not eaten a tuna sandwich <laughs> since then, right, Dan? <laughs> it ruined me. Right? All right, so let's uh, take you to Florida then. What was your first memory of Florida? What stuck with you? Okay. Okay, well, Florida, uh, the thing, I think, the, the, when I close my eyes and I think of the first thing that really makes an impression in my mind is driving on the bus from uh, Dixie Landings, and we took the bus to go to Epcot, and seeing Spaceship Earth, and just looking up mm-hmm. from the bus, from inside the bus, and going into the parking lot and looking, and seeing it as we approached, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, I mean, the Magic Kingdom and Disneyland have a lot of similarities. So even though the Magic Kingdom was, was something new, it was Epcot that was really new to me at that time. And, and I just, I always have that image of, of Spaceship Earth, you know, as we approached. That, that was a, a, an amazing, just a memory that just sticks in my head. I can close my eyes and see it right now. There's nothing like that on, on Earth, right? That, 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 that silver ball, there's just nothing like that. You know, it, it, it is a... Oh standout item so oh absolutely because you know I, I i guess as a kid i must have saw mom and dad's uh, life magazines and there is the picture of epcot of, of spaceship earth of that big ball mm-hmm. and that in my mind that represented disney world to me you know even my four-year-old daughter when she sees spaceship earth now she'll actually say spaceship earth i, I that's called good parenting dan at four years old she, <laughs> she actually says spaceship earth but for 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 the last year and a half spaceship earth that represented Epcot. So when she saw it, it was Epcot. So in her yeah. mind, those two things were synonymous. So hey, I'm right there with her. <laughs> awesome. So let's talk about this book because even from the cover, the cover was so fascinating. It simply looked like a billing for a boxing match or a wrestling match. So what inspired you for this book? How did you pit these attractions together? Okay. Well, um, it's funny how this all came about. Uh, uh, after that 2009 trip, I started a, a little blog called uh, Disney Fountain of Youth. It's still there. It's DisneyFountainOfYouth.blogspot.com. And, um, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Everybody has a blog, but I just, I just I needed to express my love for Disney. I was just so, I had gone crazy, Disney crazy, you know. I just fell in love with it. So I started the blog, and I would just post uh, little trip reports and, and tips for, for people that wanted to go and such. And one day, uh, I get a, an email from Bob McLean of Theme Park Press. And he, and he was running at the time a website called Disney Dispatch. It was really a nice website for our Disney fans. He had a couple of Disney legends writing articles there. And uh, Jim Corcus, I think, was writing for him and some just really great Disney people. And he invited me to, he kind of pitched it to me. He, he saw that I was uh, involved in pro boxing, that I had been a boxing judge for 10 years. And he said, let's, uh, it was really his idea, and he kind of pitched it to me. And the, the, the column was actually called Disney Tale of the Tape. And so he said, you know, we'll match up different attractions and experiences, and, you know, I'll just hand it over to you, and you do what you think. And I thought, wow, that sounds fun. It was great. So uh, I went for it, and that ran for about a year. And I think he sold that, that website, Disney Dispatch, and the, the gentleman that, that took over, it kind of ran down from there, so... After a year, well, that was the end of that. You know, it was a lot of fun while it lasted. And a few years later, after I had retired, um, 
here came an email again. He said, hi, Dan, this is Bob McLean from Team Park Press. Remember you wrote the column for me? How would you like to write a book based on the column? And I about fell out of my chair. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a fun little hobby, but a book? Are you serious, Bob? And he said, yeah, that's, I think it would be a great book, a great idea. And I, I said, yeah, let's go for it. So that's pretty much how, how things came to be. And, uh, yeah, the cover is actually, it actually looks like an old-time uh, <laughs> boxing poster. I thought that turned out pretty cool. <laughs> it, it turned out fabulous. So Thank I'm, you. I'm looking at the cover, and, you know, I was actually, you know, it, it fooled me at first because you pit several attractions here against each other, Jungle Cruise versus the Kilimanjaro Safaris, and California Screaming versus Rock and Roller Coaster, Big Thunder Mountain versus Matterhorn, and Haunted Mansion versus Haunted Mansion. And I'm like, okay, he pits attractions against each other. Until you open the book and you start reading and you realize he pits various hotel rooms against each other. And he pits musical bands against each other and snacks <laughs> and restaurants. And it's like, holy cow, that's inspired. So even from the first chapter, you know, and, and, and I'll admit I haven't completed the book yet. But from the first mm-hmm. chapter... This was something new and different in the marketplace. There's a million books in the marketplace, a lot of trivia books and whatnot, but this right. was something new and different. So so it was entirely fascinating. How did you come up with the attractions to pit against each other? Like, for example, yeah. the first, the Jungle Cruises versus the Safari or the Coasters. How did you decide what was worthy of going against each other? Well, actually, it was pretty much um, personal preference. Um, one big, one big uh, thing that had that played a part was, of course, experiences that I personally had experienced mm-hmm. because it would be myself, uh, you know, scoring, scoring the rounds as a boxing judge. Yeah. And then uh, I would pick, you know, two Disney experts, uh, and they would join me. So I, I'd start off with uh, things that I had experienced. And that's where the juggling act came in. That's where it got tough. I didn't realize, in my mind, I assumed that everybody who had ever been to Disneyland had been to Disney World and <laughs> vice versa, you know, and oh, how foolish of me. Yeah. I was really naive. I really, I learned a lesson there because um, it got kind of tough at times to uh, to match up, uh, to find judges that could score some of these because some of them are kind of, you know, lesser known uh um, yes, experiences, you know, I mean, I mean, a snack against a snack or, you sure. know, I mean, you know, so it, it, it got tough, but I was able, thank goodness, the Disney fan community now is, is the universe is just so big. There's plenty of people to choose from and there's, there's a lot of experts out there. So I was able to, to finally get that juggling act. Um, there, I actually had some other experiences that didn't make this book because I just couldn't find you know, uh, judges that had actually done both experiences. Mm. And, and I wanted people that had, had experienced them both so they would really be experts. But um, that's, yeah, and it was just pr- pretty much my personal preference, things that I enjoyed that I just sat around and thought, gosh, what would be, I'd pick one and say, what would be a good match for, for this, you know, to go against this one? You know, like the Dole Whip against the Mickey's Premium Ice Cream Bar. I mean, they're both iconic snacks that everybody loves, and, you know, they, they both have their fans, and, so I try to kind of think of it like a boxer. You know, boxers yeah. have different styles, and they have their fan base. And so, you know, little by little, so, you know, just like a boxing event, you have your main event uh, bout, and then you have your undercards, you know. So I had the kind of lesser attractions go head-to-head, and then we go with, you know, like you said, rooms and snacks. And before you, before I knew it, here was the whole book, you know. So no it, it just kind of fell fell in place like that. Dan, Dan, so the ones that didn't make the book, that's called uh, The Tale of the Tape, The Rematch, correct? 
Is, can that, <laughs> that be part two? Or, uh, in a Rocky voice, another round, you know. <laughs> there you go. But, um, yeah, actually, uh, I think they're, it looks pretty, pretty good that 2017 we might have volume two. Oh, that's awesome. And so, yeah, thank you. Thank can, you. can I suggest a title for that one? Absolutely. They cut, they cut me, Mick. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Mick. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. <laughs> So, Dan, you uh, you have, you know, the way that you tell the book here is, and I don't want to give away any secrets, but the way you tell it is, you know, when you open up a guidebook, the guidebook is essentially the author dictating from, you know, the first page to the last, but you have a panel of judges. So, so tell me about that, because you really have, well, I mean, you have a who's who of, and my fingers are up in quotes right now, Disney celebrities as a panel of judge. You know, a lot of us involved with the Disney community, but, I mean, you've got, you've got Len Testa, doing the forward mm. and acting as a judge. So how did that come about? And you have a bunch of people in a very similar role. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you asked me that, and I really want to give credit to my, my judges in this book. Um, okay, in the old days, the old uh, WDW Today podcast, which is, you know, one of the all-time greats, mm-hmm. uh, it's, still, it's still a good podcast, but, I mean, I'm talking about the original version with Mike, Mike Matt, and Len. Uh, I was one of the crazy guys that would send in crazy questions, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they would read them at the end of the show, and, and it, some of the questions were just absolutely ridiculous, but, mm. you know, they, they were good for a laugh or two, and I found out that Len Testa was actually uh, quite a boxing fan, so we hit it off pretty well, and he would ask me uh, uh, some questions about classic boxing matches, what I, who I thought really won between Sugar Ray Leonard and Martin Hagler, things like this, and so we kind of became pretty good friends that way, because, you know, he's... Every you know, of course, he's the Disney guy, and he was also a, a boxing guy, and so that that friendship, you know, just cemented itself. And I reached out to Len to uh, do the forward. And originally, in the format of the book, there was I wasn't going to have other judges because in the uh, in the column, I was the only judge, and then I would just make up two fictitious judges to f- complete a scorecard mm-hmm. for the bouts. But as I was going along with the book, I just thought about it, you know, and, and, and Len said, yeah, he would write the foreword for me. So originally he was just going to write the foreword for me. And I was so excited to have Len Testa, you know. I mean, this, these people are celebrities to me. I mean, they, they you know, to me they really are celebrities. They're Agreed. experts. Agreed completely, yes. Yeah, and, and so Len got on board. And as, as the, the format kind of evolved, I thought, I mean, who really cares what I think? They, nobody knows me unless they're involved in boxing. Most of the Disney community doesn't never heard of me. They don't know who I am. So I said, let me reach out to some real Disney experts, some people that that have podcasts and and have you know authors and and experts. So I started reaching out, and boy, you know the the uh, the response was I was just honored. I was flattered that people were so excited to be part of this project. And if I could, would it be all right if I name off the, the judges? I want you to, absolutely. I'm just glad he didn't ask us, Chris, because we didn't make this thing. <laughs> Hang on, I'm holding out hope, Pete. I went to Disneyland. I'm holding out hope. Hey, yeah, that's right. You've been to Disneyland. So I just might need you, so so you guys be on standby here. Cool. But, um, yeah, we I, I had to find people from, from Disney World and Disneyland. And the, the judges are a, a guy named Jerry Cornell. Yeah. Uh, he has a website called ThemeParkology.com. He does videos, some awesome. Yeah. Oh my goodness, his videos are just off the charts. I just love them. Uh, I got Randy Crane. He's the author of the book uh, Faith and the Magic Kingdom, mm-hmm. and we've got Jimmy Horn from the Disney Nerds podcast. 
He was one of our first guys that got on board. Uh, Krista Joy from DisneyWays.com. And um, she only does one bout in the book, but, boy, it was an important one because without her, the matchup between the Hollywood Brown Derby and Carthay Circle would have never made it into the book. She was, she was the key. So once I got her on board, that, that bout was cemented. I've got Dave Kennedy from Dave's Disney View podcast. He's a former cast member, uh, and he's another one who really knows his stuff. Um, two of these guys are actually <laughs> real pro boxing judges. I've got Gary Merritt. He's uh, a retired. He retired from pro boxing. Okay, I was a pro boxing judge for a decade, and I judged over a hundred pro bouts. Kind of impressive. Gary Merritt was a boxing judge for twenty-seven, or was it thirty-seven years? I'm not sure. <laughs> Somewhere in that range, and he judged over one thousand six hundred oh. professional boxing matches wow. in uh, uh, twenty-seven different states. I forget how many different countries. World title bouts. I mean, this guy. And I found out he is a huge Disney World fan. He's been there over 50 times, and he lives in Indiana. So, Dude, you know, he was a natural, there's more natural of us fit. There's more planet than, than people can possibly imagine. There's more of us oh, than nuts, right? We're everywhere. <laughs> it just That's another thing that shocked me. I've got a guy named Nathan Palmer who's also a world championship uh, boxing judge. Uh, we were friends from way before. We used to trade uh, boxing videos. I have one of the biggest... Uh, collections of pro boxing probably on the planet and on video and um so nathan and i used to trade and and you know do that found out he was a big disney fan so he got on board i've got john sicari uh big fat panda.com on youtube mm -hmm. yeah. yeah oh he's incredible and actually we just uh went out to orlando and and did a taping for his show i think it's supposed to come out in february on youtube an incredible guy just a great friend and i mean that's another thing that this book has done for me, not only for the book to come out, but to make friends with these really great Disney people. is just, it's, it's an honor. Okay, another judge, i got to throw in there real quick. This lady is a, she has a degree in physical education. She's been to a lot of boxing matches. She really knows her Disney stuff, and she's my daughter, Monica Segura. So <laughs> she, she's totally qualified, <laughs> absolutely. And then, of course, Len Testa. Uh, he, I think he did like six uh, of the bouts in the book, so... With a crew like that, man, what can I say? Uh, just thank you to every one of them. That, that's awesome. And the cross-section that you got there, you've got podcast hosts, you've got authors. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, you've got uh, podcasts, you've got video yeah. people. You've you got a great group there. You know, when I first read it, I, I thought to myself, yeah, it's probably going to be pretty easy to get people to match up. And then I realized, holy cow. I've never been to Disneyland until right now. So I wondered yes. that initially how, if it was going to be a lot of Epcot versus Disney World attractions and whatnot. So so pretty cool. What was your yeah. What was your previous author experience? Because, I mean, yeah, I, I have a blog myself too, and I occasionally write for the blog, and I feel like I can put 500 words down in a heartbeat. But a book, that's something completely different. Yeah. So what, what was your experience? Oh, uh, it was really... It, 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 it was a learning learning experience for me. It was quite an adventure. Um, back in the 1990s, like I said, I was a pro boxing judge, and I also wrote for a couple of boxing magazines. Uh, there was a there was a publication called Pro Boxing Update. This is all pre internet, so the fastest way to get results and and information about boxing from around the country and around the world was a, a, a publication called Pro Boxing Update. It came out, I think that one came out monthly. And with it was a, another publication, like a sister publication called Flash, and it would come out twice monthly. 
So they, uh, the editor of that, uh, Virgil Thrasher, he invited me to write a column, and I covered uh, New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona, and parts of Texas, um, and I would you know, keep track of what was going on in the world of pro boxing, and I would submit a column there. So that was, that was my experience. But that was different because that was more of just reporting on what happened, you know. I mean, with a book, you actually have to come up with a little more creativity. So it was quite a, quite a challenge. It really was a challenge. But, man, it was just so much fun. Were you surprised and, um, <laughs> by any of the results in that book, Dan? Oh, absolutely. I was totally surprised. The, <laughs> some of these, well, some of the decisions are split decisions. So two judges saw it for one attraction and one judge saw it for the other, you know, just like real boxing. It was really cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was just the remarks that some of the judges made in scoring, you know, because they would explain their reasoning for, for giving each attraction, you know, a victory in a certain round. And I would read this stuff, and I would, it just blew me away. I would just say, you know, I mean, I, I never thought of that. That makes total sense. Mm-hmm. That, that's amazing. And, and, I mean, there's just some of the results are, yeah, it absolutely, uh, there's a few upsets, let's say, in the book, just like real boxing, you know. You have the favorite, you got the champ, and then you got the challenger. One's maybe a three- or four-to-one favorite, but sometimes that underdog pulls off the upset, Buster and it happened Douglas. in the book. <laughs> yeah, Buster Douglas comes in and knocks him off. So There you go. Bye-bye, Mike Tyson. Exactly. And if you don't know how to score a boxing match, which I don't know how to score a boxing match, actually, Dan, in the back of his book, actually has, essentially, it's an appendix, but it's a chapter of how to score a professional boxing match. So, <laughs> so the idea of the word split decision, he'll explain what that is. So don't be intimidated by that if you don't know what that is. So. I wish I had read that before I did those standards <laughs> for boxing. Absolutely. <laughs> So, you know that I just that was my idea, and I pitched it to the um, to the publisher, and he said, "I think that would really fit good, you know." And I've had a few um, uh, compliments for doing that. So uh, at first, I thought, "I don't know how this is going to fit into a Disney book," but you know, as an appendix, I was able to squeeze it in. I think it's pretty pretty good. Yeah, I think it's relevant. <laughs> pretty fun. Yeah, well, thank you. Before before we start wrapping it up, I'd like to do actually a matchup, if possible, but. I'd like to get your insight because you're a veteran of both Disney World and Disneyland. So, I mean, each park has their pros and cons, but you've been to both places and each has a different spot in your heart. But but if you had to give a call right now, and it's probably asking you to pick, you know, you know, you know, which uh, who's your favorite kid? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> G- give me, give me, uh, give me your gut reaction to that call about Disney World and Disneyland. But let's talk about Disneyland and Magic Kingdom. Let's not talk about Disney World in, in entirety there. Okay, so you're asking me to match, in my opinion, Disney, yeah, yeah, just Disneyland just, Park versus the Magic Kingdom? Yeah. Hmm. You know, <laughs> I, I would have to probably go with Disneyland. You know, of course, the history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my personal history, you know, like I said, you know, looking back and, and picturing it in my mind as a kid, and going there with my friends and my cousins and, you know, running around, getting in trouble and, you know, the, <laughs> just knowing the park inside out, you know. Yeah. Um, even though the Magic Kingdom is, is incredible, but, you know, that's just part of the, of the whole Walt Disney World experience, a big part, of course. Um, for me personally, I guess I would lean towards Disneyland, but then again, my granddaughter's, you know, first experiences with Disney, I think pretty much took place at the Magic Kingdom in Orlando. Mm. So by seeing their reaction, you, you guys got, I got to say, it's, it's a pick em. But uh, for me personally, I guess I would lean towards Disneyland, I guess because at one time I was a Disneyland local. Mm-hmm. 
and, and I could tell only one time and I could just feel how special it was walking through there and how the locals could be it, it could be so embedded in their heart so oh yeah I absolutely so right I don't suppose would you be willing to walk Pete and I through a matchup well, uh, you mean like a matchup from the book, or do you want to just make up a matchup? Go ahead, go ahead. You know what? Let's make up one because I don't want to give away anything. Because so far, I'm through several bouts, and we I want to do Disney it. World to Disney World. Though we can, I'm sure Dan can do that. Well, I'm going to say we have to because I've never been to Disneyland. So <laughs> okay, well let's let's come up with a five rounder. Okay, and we'll go with uh, boy. Let's see. You guys have any rides in mind? Anything you'd like to? Well, well, Did you guys I have something? I, I kind of do, but I don't know. Well, get, give me one, and we'll find an opponent for him or her. <laughs> um, I was going to say we should do the mountains, like Space versus Thunder or Space versus Splash or something like that. Well, How about a Space go with versus the... Thunder, Dan? How does that sound? Space, space versus, versus Thunder space sounds thunder, good. Bro. Now you... Now, you know that Thunder Mountain at uh, the Magic Kingdom took on the Matterhorn in the book. I, and I I do know that. So you want to stay away from there, Dan? Is that, is that good? Should we stay away from it then? Uh, no, not at all. But mm-hmm. we, we, what we will do is we'll put the Thunder Mountain in there against Space Mountain, I guess, right? Okay. We'll yeah. make this a short one. We'll make this a, uh, uh, how about a five-rounder? Got, got it. Sounds good. Okay. Let me, let me come up with a few uh, categories here because the way the book is formatted, um, you've got each round is a, is a, a category. Uh, there's uh, like okay, the queue. Mm-hmm. You've got history. You've got uh, imagineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can go with the theme, and the last round in every bout in the book is intangibles, and that can be anything, mm. anything. If a ride scares you, you don't like it. It's not going to win that round. Mm-hmm. If you had a bad experience, it's not going to win. If you know. Uh, if you proposed on a ride and that's special to you, you, you know, it's probably going to win that round, okay? Mm-hmm. So we're going to go with a five-rounder, Space Mountain versus Thunder Mountain, and these are both at the Magic Kingdom in Disney World. Let's go with the first round is all, almost always the queue. Mm-hmm. So we're going we're to look at the queue of Space Mountain, picture it in your, in your minds, and the queue of, of Thunder Mountain. And since there's three of us, we can actually score this one. <laughs> okay. So... Um, in the book format, you know, ordinarily you would, I would kind of describe Space Mountain's queue and Big Thunder's queue, and then it would go into a written as an actual boxing match, and, and, and you know, you would just hear the play-by-play of what of the action for that round. And after that, the three judges would give their their scorecard or their reasoning for the scorecard and who wins. So uh, for the queue for Space Mountain, um, how about if Pete goes first? Um, what do you think? Who has the better queue, Space Mountain um. or Thunder Mountain? Hang on, Pete, um, Pete, Pete, hang on, hang on, wait a minute. That's the bell. Come on, fighting. All right, go ahead. All right. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Go, go ahead. I'm going to, I got to give it to Space Mountain for the simple fact that it's air conditioned. And in Disney World, <laughs> that is worth so much to so many people. I love the theming of Big Thunder Mountain's queue, but I have to go Space Mountain. The music. The cool blue lighting, the cool air. So I'm going space. Okay, there you go. How about how about you, Chris? What do you think? You know what? I agree with Pete 100%. And it's one of the rare times I'm going to say it. It's the cue <laughs> on Space Mountain that almost makes the ride. Between the music, between the strangely designed pathways down and up and left and right, and the little space vignettes behind the glass, I agree 100%. 
Okay, I guess I have to give a score on this one too. And boy, for me it's tough because I really like Thunder's uh, uh, Q. But air conditioning, <laughs> that may do it for me too. So I'm going to give that one to uh, Space Mountain. Okay, round two. How about the history of the two rides? Space Mountain and Thunder Mountain. The history involved. What do you think, Pete? Um, man, that's tough because Big Thunder Mountain is not what it was supposed to be. That was supposed to be Thunder Mesa. Right. Ugh. And the fact that we didn't get that kind of, it, it makes me want to take some away from it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Space Mountain again. Hmm. Okay, Pete goes with Space Mountain on the history of the attraction. Chris, what do you think? You know what? Pete, you're on tonight. And I can't say even for the reason that it was Thunder Mesa. I just know that as far as, you know, it obviously didn't come out when the park opened. It, it followed several years later. But when I see that building and that structure... I think of mm-hmm. Walt Disney World. I think of the Magic Kingdom. So in a historical context, you know, that ride belongs and is, you know, part of Walt Disney World history, um, part of Magic Kingdom history. And with just, you know, the redo of Big Thunder Mountain, it's like searching for an identity. So I got to give it to Space Mountain as well. Okay. And uh, I'm going to actually, I'm going to go with Thunder Mountain. Hmm. And for the uh, two words, uh, Tony Baxter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's one of my favorite Imagineers. He had a big hand in Thunder Mountain. And, and for me, I'm going to actually go with Thunder Mountain on history for that one. And so we are now going to go to round three. And how about the Imagineering? Yeah, the Imagineering that went into the attractions. Mm. Um, so that means, you know, the special touches, the trickery, the, the color, the looks, everything. What do you think, Pete? Uh, again, it, it's... Because of what they had to do to get two tracks built inside of that building and the engineering it took to get that done at the time that it was done, I got to go Space Mountain again. Hmm. All right. And Chris? I'm going Big Thunder Mountain. I'm going because it looks like it belongs in the landscape. And from the billy goat to the guy sitting in the bathtub spinning around to the pools of <laughs> green liquid to the improved cue, um, as far as when I think of Imagineering, I think of plussing up an attraction. And Space Mountain has the cue, but as far as the overall appearance, because honestly Space Mountain is inside and you don't see a whole heck of a lot, I give it to Big Thunder Mountain. Okay, well, both see how it is? Both mm-hmm. of you guys make total sense, and that's how the book came mm-hmm. out. I, I'd, I'd get one expert that would say one thing, another expert that would say the exact opposite, and they're both right. Yep. I mean, you can't it's be wrong, amazing. can you, Dan? You couldn't be wrong. <laughs> there is no right or wrong. It's, it's all, you know, just like, like a real boxing. It's, it's a, what do you like? What do you, what do you think? And for this one, the Imagineering, they're both incredible, but uh, I am going to go with um, Thunder Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain. I just think Tony Baxter was an incredible Imagineer. There's a lot of uh, little touches in there, like you said. Even though Space Mountain is, is Imagineering-wise, really, if you think about it, I mean, to have a tight uh, wild mouse coaster like that in the dark and all, pretty incredible. But there's just something about the Imagineering touches with uh, Big Thunder Mountain, the big mountain and everything. I just, I'm going to give that one to Thunder. Mm-hmm. So we're going to now go to round four. And we're going to go with... Um, 
How about the ride vehicles? Okay. Yeah, let's do that. We're going to go with the ride vehicles. So the uh, you know coaster cars of Space Mountain, the little spaceships, versus the trains of Big Thunder Mountain. What do you guys think, Pete? For me, this one's easy. I'm 6'6". Six, six. I do not fit in the Space Mountain vehicles very well. <laughs> so by, well, by virtue of my kneecaps much more preferring Big Thunder, we're going with Big Thunder Mountain on vehicles. Well, I, you know, as a five foot five gentleman, <laughs> I feel your pain. <laughs> All right, Chris, what do you think? Ride vehicles. You know what? I got to go with the runaway train of Big Thunder Mountain. I've, I've got to go with it. It just, it, it, it suits it better. You know, it fits the theme better. So as far as, you know, if we're just comparing ride vehicle to ride vehicle, I know you could sit single file, but it doesn't fit the theme in my mind as well as the runaway train does. So Okay. M- makes total sense. And I'm going to also go with the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. The, those train cars are, are just, uh, they hold a lot of people, so there's a lot of screams, a lot of fun. Uh they're comfortable if you're tall, mm-hmm. even though I'm not. They're still comfortable even if you're short, and they just look fun. So I'm going to give the edge to Big Thunder Mountain on that one, too. Making a comeback here, <laughs> So it's coming man. down to the final round, and we go to the intangibles round. Anything, anything that you guys can think of that you like about one over the other is going to give it this round. Uh, what do you think, Pete? Any intangibles? Um, well, for me, I know I, I kind of suggested it when we started this show, too. Our... Um, out theme music is Star Tunnel from Space Mountain, so that holds a special place for me. So I got to give it Space Mountain with the uh, the background music that they run in there. There you go. That's a perfect example of the intangibles round. Well mm-hmm. done. All right, Chris, what do you think? Well, I'll, I'll tell you another intangible was my 11-year-old daughter. She went on Big Thunder Mountain without a problem. I had to coax her onto Space Mountain. And now she loves it, doesn't she? She does love it. And it took her it took her time to actually get on that ride, but once she went on it, despite the fact that it always leaves my head throbbing, um, it's a special place because she had to like acquire that courage to get on the ride. So in my mind, that always took something from her to get on there. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give the intangible of this one to Space Mountain. Okay, to Space Mountain. All right. And for me, uh, Space Mountain has is probably going to get it, too. Um, in 1977, my wife and I went to high school together. That's where we met, and we got married. But uh, we were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time. We went to uh, grad night at Disneyland, and I was terrified of roller coasters, and she got me to go on Space Mountain. And I still didn't like it at that time. <laughs> I, I love it now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she, she had so much fun that we got married a year later, so... Space Mountain has a special place in my heart. Wow. So um, that's, that's going to be, that's going to do it. Now i got to total up the scorecards. And we've got Pete, let me see here, 10, 20, 30. So Pete has it. Uh, okay, let me do some quick math here, guys. <laughs> and then Chris has it, let's see, 10, 20, uh, 30. So we've got 48 to 47. And I've got it. Let's see, one, two. Okay, well, looks like we have a split decision. Uh oh. <laughs> Let me see here. Let me make sure I got my math right here. P- poor Dan. He didn't know he was doing math today. Poor oh, Dan. I'm telling you guys, I got a headache. <laughs> <laughs> it's past my bedtime. <laughs> I, I would be okay. told there's no math. 
Okay, this is this. I don't know if the math is right on this, but we have a split decision. We've got uh, Judge Pete coming up with a score of forty-nine to forty-six. Judge Chris coming up with a score of forty-eight to forty-seven. And you have it in favor of Space Mountain. I have it forty-eight forty-seven for Big Thunder Mountain. So the winner by split decision is Space Mountain. Space Mountain. And there you go. <laughs> ding ding ding. So, yes. Awesome. <laughs> So you do this exact same thing through, heck, a dozen matchups throughout the book. Like we said, snacks and restaurants and resorts and attractions. So, yes. Um, you know, before we ask you a few questions and wrapping it up, how can people get the book, Dan? What, what is the best way, and how can people contact you about it? Okay. Um, well, of course, it's available on Amazon, mm-hmm. and it's in paperback or Kindle, and so you can order it there. Um, if anybody wants to contact me directly at disneyguru at outlook.com and if they'd like to order a signed copy of the book I'd be happy to do that um, I have my blog disneyfountainofyouth.blogspot.com if they would like to take a look at that and there's a contact there too mm-hmm. so um, there's also a Facebook page uh, Disney Fountain of Youth <laughs> so there's uh, lots of ways to, uh, to get a hold of me but disneyguru D-I-S-N-E-Y-G-U-R-U at Outlook.com would, would be a great way to get a hold of me. And, and let's just brag for you for a second here. I saw some posts of yours on Facebook, and Amazon actually actually had you as a pretty high ranking. Talk about that for a minute. That was that was, oh. that was impressive. I was just talking to you as a friend, and I was super proud of you, and I hadn't even talked to you yet just about that. So. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I was, I was shocked one day. I was looking through... Uh, the listings there on Amazon, and I thought I'd take a peek at my book, and I saw this little orange banner. It said, uh, number one hot release or something like that. And, you know, I've never written a book before, so I, wouldn't, I wasn't really sure what that meant. Yeah. But apparently my book was ranked at number one. It's updated hourly, so it doesn't last. But for that, for that time, it lasted most of the day. Um, it was running as a number one hot new release in uh, one of the categories. I think it was uh, theme park travel guides or something like that. But boy, that was that was a lot of fun. I got really excited, and yeah, thank you. That was really that was really cool. That is awesome. So, if you are listening right now to the show, you know what? Uh, Dan's book is awesome. It's it's about fifteen bucks. So, so go and put an order in. I've got my copy. I'm reading it. You'll have a ball. Go ahead and put your copy in. Get your order in for a copy. You won't regret it. So, um, <laughs> all right. So, Pete, you got a question for Dan before we go? I do, Dan. Before uh, before we let you get out of here. We have put together a list that we are uh, building the Disney Memories Park. It'll be a fifth gate full of extinct attractions, restaurants, shows, and I need your addition. Anywhere you want, oh. Dan. Any park. Oh, I mean, even even the Disneyland parks, too? Mm-hmm. As or- long as it isn't there anymore. Yeah. Oh, there was a great ride that I loved as a kid, and it was called Adventure Through Inner Space. I don't know. Are you guys familiar with that? Yep, I am. Yeah, it was, it was sponsored by Monsanto, and you would ride in these little buggies, like look like the doom buggies of the Haunted Mansion. And, you know, when you first went, walked up to the ride, you saw, I guess they were little models, but I thought they were real as a kid. <laughs> I saw people getting shrunk down to, to the size <laughs> of an atom, and I was kind of uns, unsure about going on that. 
I'm only but, laughing you know, now because I'm sure I would think the same thing. <laughs> I mean, I just remember staring at, waiting to see if did they move, and I, wait, I thought I saw that guy move. It's real. It's really happening. It was pretty scary, but it, it was a pretty cool ride. And, and you know, back in those days, you needed uh, uh, they had ticket books, so you needed a ticket to get on the different rides. You know, the E tickets, mm-hmm. D tickets. Adventure through inner space was a, the one ride you didn't need a ticket for. It was just always open to anyone to hop on. So when your tickets ran out, everybody headed over there. So that's. That's one I would like to see come back. Uh, uh, another place. I mean, do you want me to just give one or, or yeah, more than one? Yeah, if you two, or? we'll take two. Well, another one, of course, everybody says Horizons, and I would love to see that again. That was a special ride uh, from the 1994 trip. But I'd like to see the Odyssey. Uh, it was, it was a, I think, a quick service restaurant at Epcot. Yep, the Odyssey I remember restaurant. going there, yes, and I'd like to see that. If, if, I, if we were going to open another uh, uh, you know, classic park, I would go for a a quick service uh, restaurant at the Odyssey in Epcot. Dan, it's a great call, and it, the shame of the whole thing is they, uh, you know, they don't know what to do with it right now, and it still could be very viable in its location right now. So that's a great call, though. The Odyssey. Oh, I mean, thank you. Even, you know, you don't even. Have I, to I really name. like you it. Make it uh, Greek. <laughs> oh, during the uh, Epcot, uh, is it the Food and Wine Festival? I think they they have they use it as the craft beer pavilion. Mm-hmm. I think. And I just go in there, and I just look around, and, oh, man, I just long for it to return as a quick-service restaurant. It's, it's a cool place. That's awesome. Well, Dan, again, thank you for spending a little time with us today. I know with the, uh, you know, with the, the, the time change and whatnot, we appreciate you joining us for just a little bit of time to talk about the book. So. Oh, man, it's, I'm just honored that you guys would even want to have me on your show. Thank you so much for, for your you know, kind words about the book, and I'm, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. And, it's just been a lot of fun. I can't thank you guys enough. So so glad to meet you, and thank you so much. No problem. Thanks for having, coming on. So, again, if you uh, if you listen today, the book is called Disney Tale of the Tape, and it's Dan Cisneros is the author. So uh, thank you for listening today. Thank you for downloading. If you could go to iTunes and leave us a review, we sure would appreciate that. So for my buddy Pete and for my buddy Dan, I want to thank you and have a good evening. See you, everybody. Bye-bye.